0: Pomp is a platform that helps licensed estheticians grow our businesses and make extra income without the hassle. Let me explain. Pomp is a platform that connects you to your clients digitally and allows you to make recommendations to them and allows them to shop online. Something I am huge on is meeting the consumer where they already are. And at this day and age, that is online. I think More professional brands need to get savvy about meeting clients and consumers online instead of just relying on in-person purchases. Pomp allows estheticians to make commission on everything they purchase and the best part is you don't have to hold any inventory or stock and Pomp ships the products directly to your clients. This is a big headache that I never wanted to take on myself, so Pomp has been hugely instrumental in supporting my virtual business because I don't have to deal with stock and keeping products in my living room and shipping them out myself. Shipping is always free, and it's always super fast. Clients are always very impressed by how fast their products get to them, and they always come with a little handwritten note so the whole experience feels very personalized. Pomp also works with a medical director, so you have access to brands like Is clinical Revision, and more. If you're curious about Pomp, you can check out the link in the show notes for more details. Now, let's get back to the show. Hello, and welcome back to The Treatment Room, guys. I hope you are doing amazing. I hope everyone is enjoying fall, and I'm excited to be here with you guys today. It's kind of crazy to think about how you're all on your own individual SD journeys, but it's cool to just be part of your day and be part of your life in some small way. So thank you for tuning in and I'm happy to be along for the ride. So we've had some incredible guests on the show lately. We've had Jan Marini, we've had the Glow Skin Care LA sisters. We've had Alish Pierce, who's been a role model to me since middle school. Welcome back to The Treatment Room, everybody. I'm your host, Tessa Zolli, and I hope you're doing amazing. I hope everyone is enjoying fall and enjoying work and enjoying school. Whatever you're doing, I'm so thankful for you tuning in and just happy to be along for the ride. So we've had some great guests on the show lately. We've had the Glow Skincare LA Sisters. We've had... Alicia Pierce, who's been an icon to me since, since reading the Milady textbook. We've had Michelle Phelan. We've had the incredible Jane Marini on a couple times. So many great guests, but today I just wanted to hang out one-on-one and answer some of your questions questions. By the way, if you're not following me on Instagram, that is where I usually post questions. So join me at my SD Tessa if you're not already. And I tend to post a question box at least once a week so I can understand What's on your mind, what your pain points are, what I can possibly help with. So make sure you're following me there and I might answer your question next on the show. So I want to kick it off with the first question, which is a really good one skin analysis. I remember being so confused by skin analysis, so overwhelmed and just like stressed out about it because I didn't know what to look for. It's something you definitely get more comfortable with with time. But even those of us who are more seasoned, I think it's good for us to get a little refresh, take a step back, remember what we want to be looking for because it can become very second nature. There are a few things that I look for when it comes to assessing the skin. And the first has to do with skin type. So although there are more subtypes, I think... Broadly, we're looking at four. We're looking at normal, dry, oily, and combo skin. And something to know is that our skin type can change with time. I started out more dry and normal when I was young, and as I've gotten older and my hormones have been in flux, I'm definitely more combination to oily. So it's very important to have an understanding of your client's sebum level and take really good notes on this because this will definitely inform your treatments and the product recommendations. I also like to note the areas where I notice more sebum production on my clients because I've found over the years, if I just write down Mary Sue Oily, I don't know enough. Is she oily all over? Does she get oily at the end of the day? So these are important questions you wanna think about and ask. So I might ask my client, Do you notice more oil on your skin at any point in the day? And if so, when? Because if she wakes up at 8 a.m. and she's already oily, that's very different from getting a little bit oily towards the end of the day or possibly never. So you definitely want to note that. I also like to take good notes on my clients' pore size. And you can even ask, where do you notice more obvious pore size and this is very helpful it might tell you a lot about where you can treat the skin and what you can use to treat it so are they are they more oily on their forehead is it their chin is it their nose is it their cheeks definitely important to know. And that way, when they come back, you already have this in your notes and you know that you treated those areas or prescribed some home care to address those areas of more obvious oil. And when we're talking about a classically oily skin, that might present as almost like an orange peel texture, or you might notice parts of the face that look almost orange peel-like. <laughs> so maybe that's the nose or the forehead. For me, it's my forehead um, versus areas where there's nearly no visible pore size. And for me, my forehead, my nose are total orange peel central. And then about from my below my nose down to my neck is dry and ten, tends to be a little bit more um flaky can be sensitive in those areas so i like to take really good notes on those areas with my clients because if they were to come back for appeal or want recommendations for home care you want to have an understanding of how the whole face works. We can't treat the whole face the exact same. I can handle a, you know, a TCA or a sal peel on my forehead and and nose and cheeks, but wouldn't be able to tolerate that around my mouth or chin. So these things can be very individualized. Moving on to moisture content or hydration content of the skin. I like to take a... Make a little note, is this low, is this average, is this high? And I think SDs tend to get more confused on oil versus hydration. And the signs of oil in the skin would be more obvious oil or a little bit larger pore size. Whereas I think with a dry skin type, it's not necessarily super obvious on the skin, but your client might complain about itchiness, a tight feeling, dullness, maybe under eye circles, sunken in eyes. So these can be indicators of a lack of hydration in the skin as opposed to oil. I also like to kind of push on the skin or maybe push up upwards on the skin with a little implement and see how fast the skin bounces back. That can be a good indicator of the water levels in the skin. Next, I do like to actually think about blood circulation a little bit. And with blood circulation, it it is important and it can be something that affects the general health of the skin. So, with Circulation, you might notice skin discoloration, you might notice edema or swelling in the skin. I notice because I do have a thyroid condition, this actually affects my circulation. Thus, I can. Break out, and that can be related to poor circulation. I might have a lot of swelling on a certain day. So it's good to be aware of somebody's health history, any medications they might be taking, and note anything such as swelling, um, heaviness in legs and feet, swollen veins and arteries. These can relate back to circulation. Next, I like to think about skin sensitivity. Normal, sensitive skin, or hypersensitive skin can all be things to think about and to classify with your client. I like to ask if the client has noticed sensitivity. Has that been lifelong? Or is it more of you know a casual saying, People will say all the time, I'm super sensitive, but is this tied to any specific event? Is it after using a certain ingredient? Is it after using the wrong ingredients, after using too many ingredients together, or have you always felt sensitive? You can also ask throughout your treatment for your client to rate their their level of sensitivity, and this can be helpful to note, oh, during the peel... She was a three out of five. That can be helpful for you to know. Sun sensitivity. So we do use the Fitzpatrick scale to assess our clients. And essentially this has to do with how easy they burn in the sun. So somebody who is a Fitz one will always burn while your Fitzpatrick five or six probably has never burned in their entire life. It's important to have an understanding of your client's Fitzpatrick scale because that can tell you a lot about how the skin is going to react to trauma and react to sun and react to sun damage. So very important to note as well. So I know that's not as in-depth as I could get, but that just gives you a little brief overview of things I'm looking at when it comes to skin analysis. Okay, the next one is how to not get burnt out in your business. I love this question so, so much because I feel like I've lived lived so many lives and have a lot to speak on when it comes to burnout. So a few things I want to mention. When it comes to my business, I've realized healthy boundaries are absolutely absolutely necessary. And I think when we all start out, we feel so inspired, we're fresh, we're in a new industry and because we love it, we can think, "Oh, I I will never burn out. I will always be willing to dedicate my entire mind, body and soul to this job because I love it." And let me tell you, everybody has a threshold and anybody can burn out in a career regardless of how much they love it. Burnout has to do with a delicate balance of enjoying what you're doing and your physical and emotional well-being in that job. So for me, starting a virtual business, I've realized it can be tricky <laughs> to avoid the burnout because I'm literally living where I work. And while a lot of spa owners can close their door and walk away from the treatment room, I'm kind of always (laughs) vulnerable and susceptible to client contact. And that's part of the sacrifice I make with my virtual business because it won't work if I don't have client communication. So I do need to be available to my clients. However, I've realized, unfortunately, a little bit later, how important it is to have parameters around my hours. And that's not because I don't want to talk to my clients on the weekends. It's because if I'm available 24-7, I don't have any time to emotionally rest and recover. So for me, it's a little bit tricky. Um, I want to be available if there's an emergency or if somebody really needs me, but I've been trying to enforce texting hours and support hours. So Monday through Friday, nine to five, something like that. Um, and I've realized people have a harder time with it. If you are to introduce that in the middle of, um, working with them so that's a mistake i've learned and something if i were to start a virtual business tomorrow i would make it clear what hours i'm available you could even have a separate phone um, and you could draw boundaries in any way that makes sense for you and and that makes you comfortable Um, but it is better to set those from the beginning and to have everyone be on the same page because again, it's harder for people to get used to if they're texting you on a weekend and then you say, hey, now I actually don't answer texts on the weekend. It's it's harder for people to take in. So set your boundaries early on and carve out time for your relaxation and enjoyment. Life is not all about work 24-7. And I love my job. I love my business. I love to work. I work on it a lot, but I have to enforce time off and and it's hard because you won't make everybody happy that way, but you have to do it for longevity. Something I also wanted to mention is how I view burnout now versus my early 20s when I really was not aware of it. When you're young, you have so much energy. You think you can just devote your mind, body, and soul. And unfortunately, you just can't do that forever. So you can learn the hard way and have the body keep score, or you can be aware of it early on. And I want you guys all to be aware of it early on. When I was In my 20s, working at a corporate job, the cultural mindset was very different than it is now. I think we're way more aware of mental health and work-life balance. And we try to enforce that work-life balance um, and talk about it. Whereas when I was 25, working for a magazine or working for e-news i thought that you know i owed this company my mind body and soul because i was so lucky to get to work for them and it wasn't until i started having panic attacks having trouble breathing and having breakdowns even when i was relaxing that i realized it was a problem because I was literally putting everything else above myself and my emotional well-being. And I ended up in the hospital. Like it was really, really taking a toll on my body and putting me in a constant fight or flight mode. And I would work all day. I would go home. I was always connected to my email and my phone. And I basically never stopped. And a lot of that had to do with the cycle of breaking news and just media as a whole basically never turns off. So I think I realized early on that type of lifestyle and a job that that wasn't supporting me emotionally um, by giving back to me and supporting my physical wellness was not the job for me. And it it might be a fit for somebody else, but it wasn't a fit for me. And so I think from that experience, I basically learned I was never willing to compromise myself or to put a job before my emotional well-being ever again. And I don't think anyone really should. I don't think anybody's business should come before your health. And yes, there are times and places where we have to make decisions and we might have to put the business first. But overall, I don't think work should be the number one priority because your health is your number one priority. If your health is compromised, you can't work and you can't provide for others. It's very much that pouring from an empty cup mentality. So to not Burnout, I think healthy boundaries are crucial. I think having a strong foundation and strong routines for your daily well-being is so important. By the way, I talk to so many people when I'm asking them about their skin. I ask about stress in their life and it really saddens me how many people do not have outlets for themselves or outlets to relax or to be creative or to take a rest. So I encourage that with my clients and I encourage it with you guys. You want to make sure you're giving back to yourself with your nutrition, with your sleep, with your lifestyle, with taking care of yourself, with doing things that are fun and creative. That's something I want to focus more on. Because so many of my creative outlets have become businesses for me. That's something I'm currently working on and and struggling with a little bit. And I want to have more balance and fun and just different things in my life that aren't there for any business purpose. Um, Just things that are good for the soul. So that is how to not get burnt out in your business. Tips for acne with dry skin. Okay, this is a really good one. And this is why I don't recommend the same acne protocol for every client, which just would not make sense to just hand every acne client a kit with the same products because skin type can be significantly different. And with a dry skin type, it's important I don't just dry the outer surface layer of the skin because then that oil cannot get out. So I t- I personally would not use your classic acne fighting ingredients yet if the skin is not at a normal functioning, healthy level. I wouldn't go in with my retinoids, my benzoyl peroxides, my salicylic acids if the skin is dry. I would actually instead focus on rehabbing the barrier function, which is made up of cholesterol, fatty acids, and ceramides. I want that protective lipid layer intact so that the skin has its own natural defense system to rely on. And I actually see this a lot with clients who come to me with a history of poor product use maybe using the wrong products for their skin type using poorly formulated products or just yeah yeah, using the wrong harsh things i typically find if we start with a more hydrating rehabilitating routine we can get the skin in a healthier place so the breakouts are reduced. And then in our next phases, if I need to introduce a topical such as a retinoid, I can, and the skin is in a better place to receive it. So I like to make sure they have a gentle cleanser that's suited for their skin type, nothing that is going to leave them feeling harsh or dry or stripped or tight. I think cleansing complex is a really beautiful one for this type of client because it's going to be gently resurfacing and it's going to make sure the skin is clean and calm without leaving it stripped. So want to make sure you have gentle cleansing in the routine. And of course, I love my hyaluronic acid. I love hydrogel by Glymed Plus. I also love HydroCool by Is Clinical and making sure the skin has sufficient water levels is going to be very important. I also love CBD. I think that's a really ideal ingredient for this type of client as long as it's a proper high quality CBD. So something like the CBD micro silver miracle is a great choice for this type of client because it's going to encourage the skin's own healthy microbiome and flora, and it's also going to work with the client's own natural oil levels to balance those out. So I really love the CBD Microsilver Miracle. Also, the Daily Repair Mega Moisture is great from Glymed Plus because it feels like a richly hydrating cream, but It's still going to be acne safe and it does contain onion bulb, which helps to fight off acne causing bacteria. Fulvic elixir is another really good one. It's a crucial antioxidant fulvic acid. Um, So with fulvic elixir, you get a lot of the hydration and you get the acne-fighting ingredients, antibacterial nature of the product. Um, It's antimicrobial. So we can still address acne in that sense without classically drying out the skin. And then I might work with some acids to make sure we're getting in the pore and dissolving that cellular Glue, but I would probably reach for a lactic or a glycolic or even some enzymes can be beautiful. So maybe Glymed enzyme mask or the warming honey cleanser is a really great choice to kind of chomp away at those dead cells and allow us to exfoliate the skin without drying out that outer layer because once we've done that, it's really hard to get to those impactions. So still want to make sure the skin is clean and calm with anti-inflammatories and water-binding ingredients, but we also want to use gentle acne-fighting ingredients without drying out the pore. When and why should people decide to get a facial? How do you explain the benefits? Okay, I think this is so interesting. And as Estes, it's something that's so ingrained to us. It's like, of course, facials are everything. Facials are life. We get it. But from an outsider's perspective, people don't always get it. And that's okay. I would like to see facials be embraced as healthcare more than just some fluffy thing that, you know, you do for pampering. I think skincare really is healthcare and (laughs) we are wearing our body's largest organ outwardly. Of course, you want to take care of it just like you would go to the dentist for cleanings. Regular facials are just healthy maintenance and on top of that if you have concerns aesthetically they can help you reach your goals but it can be really important to go in for regular facials for a deep cleaning to loosen impactions to resurface dead cells and debris safely in the care of a professional to lighten pigmentation and sun damage and to preserve our collagen and elastin and stimulate them. So, The best metaphor I can think of is just like a dental cleaning. We have embraced that, and I don't think it should be any different with our skincare. I think it would be amazing if facials were covered by insurance, and I think our world would be better for it. But also remember this. There's going to be people who just don't get it or don't understand. I definitely have friends like that who just wouldn't drop $100 on a moisturizer or who would rather buy clothes, then get a facial and everyone is different. I don't think you need to spend your energy on convincing the people who don't get it, but instead just educate on what you do and share on social media and focus on the people who, who do get it and who give back to you and who appreciate you. Okay, the last one I'm gonna answer is how to ask your boss if you can limit the services you offer or niche down, in quotes. Okay, I already feel a little bit guilty because I know I say this all the time, niche down, niche down. And I think it's, it's tough when you're working for somebody else that might not necessarily be something you can apply. Maybe it is. I think it really depends on the boss and the person, but typically when you're starting out, you are an employee and you are there to meet their growing needs. So it could be worth having a conversation with your boss about where your true interests lie. And maybe there's even a way to assign clients based on your interests and maybe kind of divvy things up that way. However, I would encourage if if somebody is new to the industry to have an open mind because you never know where aesthetics can lead you. And it might be something that's intimidating initially that you don't quite understand. And that could be a reason you are shying away from something. And it could be something that becomes your favorite thing to treat later on. So I would just have an open mind. For me, I didn't used to really understand acne. And I used to be so nervous when I would have a client with a full face of acne come in, and I would automatically kind of give up on myself and just think, I can't, do this, I can't handle this, or somebody with rosacea, I would have never thought that's something that I would enjoy specializing in because I don't feel like it's widely understood and always treated properly. So now I really appreciate being able to help those clients um, and offer that niche. But yes, I would, I would talk to your boss and and see how you guys can maybe meet in the middle in some areas. You will have more freedom as you grow as an esthetician and branch out, and you'll have the most freedom if you have your own business. That's when you can really niche down and and focus on what you want. They also left a comment that said it's a lot to try and know every how to treat every possible variation of skin on a client and how to serve a wide range of clients and still be educated about their unique skin concerns. Which is true. Skincare, it's a lot. There is so much to learn within aesthetics and that's why we always need to continue our education and seek out new information all the time stay connected with those resources like Dermascope Magazine or your favorite esthetician on social media, podcasts, YouTube videos, Instagram. There is a wealth of information nowadays. So it's a lot and it is overwhelming. It, It can definitely be challenging and it does take some time to feel like I can treat anybody who walks in my door and help them out in some way. Even if you don't 100% quote-unquote fix their skin, there's probably something you can do for anybody who walks in your door. So it's just a matter of staying educated and if you feel that feeling like I'm really nervous about treating this condition, try to lean into it instead of pulling away because those can be the most gratifying people to treat because it does require a higher level of education and training. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope these questions were helpful to you. I really like doing these these types of episodes, so I'll be posting more question boxes on Instagram. Make sure to follow along there, and don't forget to leave a little review of the podcast. It means so much to me and goes a long way in allowing the show to grow and reach more listeners and offer more education. So thank you guys so, so much for listening and tuning in and just being the best, most supportive people ever. Your messages, whenever somebody says, I listened to the podcast and and I learned something or, or they share it on stories and say it's something you look forward to, that is like, that's what makes it so worth it to me. And it reminds me how cool it is to be, in so many individual estheticians' lives. So thank you guys so much for listening. I love you and I will talk to you next week in the next episode. Bye guys.